This is the All Sports Podcast devoted to your favorite teams in North Texas. Welcome to Ballsy, a production of the Dallas Morning News and Sports Day. Our weekly show is proudly hosted. Okay, strike that. Our show is hosted by Kevin Sherrington, Evan Grant, and myself. I'm David Moore, and who knows, maybe we'll have a special guest or two along the way. Catch other episodes by subscribing to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. We're also on social media. Just search Ballsy Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and you'll be notified of the latest episode. Don't forget, it's Ballsy with a Z. Are you ready, sports fans? Ballsy starts now. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Sports Podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington, joined now by Evan Grant. Hello, Evan. Hey, happy morning to you, Kevin. You know, Evan, it's been a couple weeks since we've had the podcast, and I can't tell you how many people have been contacting me uh, saying, hey, when's that Ballsy podcast coming back? Well, let's see. Um, Probably nobody in your family. Um, who actually would have contacted you and said that? Well, there was a whole bunch of people, like 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 uh, two, I think. Who's missed us? <laughs> Doug Parker's missed us. Do you know Doug? No. Yeah, you know Doug. Doug's a reader. He like he's a very loyal reader, and he and and he'll be glad to get the shout out. So thanks, Doug, for for wondering about us, and uh, we appreciate that. Um, so a lot's been going on in the old sports world for a change, and that's really good. Uh, we, we had a whole bag of nothing for about four months there, and now we've got the sports going on. The problem is, especially last night, it was pretty catastrophic uh, from a local standpoint. Uh, if you consider what happened to the Mavericks, uh, a 43-point loss. You would have thought that was almost mathematically impossible to lose by 43 points in a playoff game. Uh, but they did uh, broke all kinds of records in the process, um, and then the Rangers lost again too. Which to me, it's like also by forty-three points. It's amazing. <laughs> it just it just seemed like forty-three points, Evan. It wasn't really. It wasn't really. But before we get to the that the Rangers uh, debacle, I w- want to talk about the losers with the Mavericks because you know the the talking point became uh, from the local angle, uh, Marcus Morris. Uh, running over on an inbounds play and then stepping on the back of Luka Doncic's left foot, causing his left shoe to come off in the process. Um, And whether that was uh, purposeful or not, intentional. Uh, You know, of course, Morris says that was not the case. Uh, Of of course, a lot of fans say, uh, obviously that was the case. There's all this room out here. Uh, there's a stutter step before you actually stepped on his foot. Um, I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't know if he did it on purpose or not. Uh, you know, it, it, it's funny, Kevin, because I, I wouldn't expect that anybody would think that there are any conspiracies out there. No, no. Yeah. There's nothing, conspiracies now leaked over into, uh, into uh, basketball. Look, this kind of stuff happens in the NBA a lot. I can remember the, the first time that this ever uh, occur, where I was made aware of what could actually happen in, in an athletic event or in specifically a basketball game. I was just in high school. I was in the, uh, at a game at Hoffines Pavilion between the Rockets and the Celtics. And uh, 
Calvin Murphy, great little guard for the Mavericks, uh, I'm sorry, for the Rockets, uh, had just made a shot, and he was running back down the floor. And so I'm actually at the game, which I'd never been to a, a professional game, basketball game at that point, so it was very exciting. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm actually watching Calvin Murphy run back down the floor. And as he's crossing midcourt, Paul Silas, who was the big hulking forward for the uh, Celtics, had a long career in the NBA, then was a coach after that. Yes, also, uh, you're, you're talking to me, another, a fellow old man. I know who Paul Silas is. Yeah, and he's also crossing midcourt at the same time. And as they crossed paths, uh, I, I watched Silas lift his knee perceptibly as, as Calvin Murphy crossed in front of him. And Calvin, you know, of course, spills over into the court. I mean, he just, he just does a face plant right there in midcourt. And, and then and Silas just chugs on down the court like nothing happened. And I realized, oh, my gosh, he did that on purpose. He tripped this guy as he was going down the floor. I, it, it, you know, in my little teenage mind, it never occurred to me that an athlete would do something purposefully against another guy that was illegal. Uh, I just thought that they just played the games and they, they did the best they could, and that's what they always said in the, after the game anyway. So, yeah, these things happen. I've seen Carl Malone reach out when Dirk uh, Nowitzki was having problems with his shoulders, and in in my estimate, he reached out and kind of pawed at his at his arm one time. And, and you know, Carl Malone's a very big man, uh, and when he messes with you, there are ramifications from that. And, and Dirk's shoulder popped out uh, when Malone did it. So, uh, and clearly, he did that on purpose. Uh, so, a little more difficult to tell in this particular case. Did uh, Morris intend to step on the back of his foot? All right. Whatever you think about that, it, you know, and, maybe, and that should definitely be motivation for the Mavericks. The problem is, is that uh, after after that, or even during the, for the entire game, he um, didn't look very good for Luka Doncic. He just didn't look like he was in the same condition he was uh, right after that injury happened on Sunday. So, uh, so that was uh, it's a little bit hard to believe but you think that they're going to be able to rally after the Clippers put on that display last night. The Clippers finally look like who the Clippers are supposed to be. Uh, Paul George had a great game after playing terribly for three games. He had 35 points, 12 of 18 from the field. Uh, Kawhi Leonard played the kind of game he always plays. Uh, the Clippers bench played very well. They were very physical. They're a very physical team, very tough defensively. They shot over 60% from three-point range, I believe. They shot 62% for the game, from the field, yeah. 62% from the field. So that's You're not going to win when you give up 60% shooting. No, the Mavericks didn't do anything. They didn't They didn't challenge. They didn't close out. They didn't – you know, and of course, they're missing Kristaps Porzingis, and that's a that's a big loss for, for the Mavericks, obviously. No question about that. Uh, but as, as intimidating as he can be around the rim at times – He's not a great defender uh, overall, and, and the Mavericks show no inclination to defend anybody in that game last night. Uh, so, uh, you know, I picked the Mavericks to, to, to lose in five games. I think it's, uh, it was off by one. I think it's going to be six. I don't see them uh, recovering from this. Uh, even if, even if uh, Porzingis and uh, Luca are, are both uh, at the top of their games, which I, I wouldn't expect that to be the case, I think they're both – hobbled uh, and they won't be able to play as well as they could. Um, I just don't see this going much further. Yeah, I, uh, 
the thing I agree with you most um, significantly on is you can debate whether the play was dirty or not by Marcus Morris, but I, I, I don't think it was a um, I don't think it was a forty three point play. I don't think um, you, you give up one hundred and fifty four points in an NBA game, you're not going to win. Um, I'm not a smart man, but I know this much. Um, I agree and, with that part. I agree with you 100% on that when you said you're not a smart man. Thank you. Um, and I, I – listen, you take Porzingis out, um, you've got a hobbled Doncic, and I know he really played a tremendously heady, hearty game the other day. Um, but the fact of the matter is he, he is hobbled. Uh, you do all of that, and, and and you're playing in kind of an uphill battle anyway. I think eventually the tide's going to turn. The Mavericks had their their emotional moment um, uh, the other night, and I think that uh, I think the the Clippers have um, have have rallied and woken up. Well, I, I want to just say this, uh, and then we're going to move on to other other topics. But uh, the Mavericks have had a really good season. Before the season started, I picked them to be a, a French playoff team, chance to make the playoffs. I thought a good chance, and then they would be one and done. That's basically what they're going to do, I think. Uh, but it was more entertaining than I thought it would be. Uh, I thought there were uh, that moments when Porzingis really played really well. Uh, I think going forward, the concern should be, is this a guy who can play – uh, you know, 75, 80 games a year, or is he a guy that's going to be more like a 60-game uh, player because of uh, problems with his knees, which seem to be chronic uh, because he had the one operated on, and now it's the other knee's the problem. Uh, what's going to be the issue here? I think you can live with him playing 60, 65 games a year as long as you get a third wheel. I, th I think this team still lacks that. It still lacks a player that they can go to. Tim Hardaway was terrific last night. But it's just, uh, I think uh, that he's a uh, – I like Tim Hardaway off the bench. I think he's a better player off the bench. I think they just need one more guy. They're probably not going to be able to get that player this next offseason um, because of salary cap issues. But once Courtney Lee's off the cap, uh, once once Tim Hardaway's contract is off, I think then, the, then this team can make a real leap. The good thing is, is that uh, – that, Porzingis is only 25. Doncic is 21. Uh, this is a very young team, young superstars. Made a real splash in this in the bubble and in the postseason, and and gave you a real clue of what's to come for the Mavericks. The same thing with the the stars in the bubble. Look how well they played. They have three terrific young players under 25, um, and and even with the problems that Jamie Benn has had and Tyler Sagan has had. Um, that these young guys have really picked them up in the playoffs. The, the stars are going places now. That Rick Bonus is probably, I would think, kept his, uh, is going to be able to remove that interim tag from his uh, label as a coach. And uh, I think that we're, we're going to see a real run here from the stars because they've already taken that 2-0 lead in the Western Conference semifinals. So uh, big things happening with the, the stars right now. Uh, big things to come for the Mavericks. What's to come for the Rangers, Evan? Um, I'm trying. I'm searching for words here. Uh, I, last night was um, 
the 10-3 loss to Oakland, which nobody watched because obviously they were all watching the Mavericks, um, and, and with good cause, was as ugly a game as I've seen this team play in a long, long time. And it, I, I left there thinking kind of the same thing, Kevin. Like, what is on the horizon for this team? I, I do think that they've got a very they, – they are, and they've got to very seriously consider um, trade offers for both Lance Lynn and Joey Gallo and anybody else that is a veteran with some value, like Rafael Montero, potentially Todd Frazier, maybe even Mike Miner. Um <clears throat> So that value would would be obviously much less on that level, um, but this team um, that happens, this team is faceless, and I think Jose Trevino has done a, a great job this year of really stepping out um, and and giving some uh, some hope that he can be uh, a regular catcher. I think Jonathan Hernandez has done a great job of as an electrifying young reliever. Um, I think Nick Solak and Isaiah Kiner-Falefa take really good at bats. Um, but there's not a franchise player in that group. Uh, and I don't see a franchise player just on the horizon. And, and I'm, I, I think this club is – it's got to make the most of this trade deadline and inject some talent because I just don't see – I'll give you one example. You know, <clears throat> Solak is basically playing left field. We know that second base is, is, is probably his best position, but Solak is playing left field right now. Um, John Daniels was asked the other day about why there's nobody else playing second base for Rugnet Odor. And he basically acknowledged, I haven't done a great job of, of, creating, of, of creating competition there for Odor. Um, well, the two guys at the minor league on the minor league side that are there right now are Anderson Tejeda, who hasn't played above Class A except for those two games he did play in the big leagues as an emergency, and Andy Abanez, who who seems to be a, a nice hitter. But if you go to Andy Abanez, you're going to a guy who is 27 years old, who's older than Odor, as your as your replacement. And I think that just speaks volumes about the level of player that you would be turning to at this point. So this is a team that's um, in as deep a hole as I think it's found itself in a long, long time. Yeah, it's a hole. All right. Uh, I, uh, and I, I think at this point uh, it's clear that, uh, well, first of all, it's clear that they're out of the playoff chase at this point. You, you would really have to put on a big tear to come back. I mean, when you watch Lance land pitch, you, they look like a, a major league team. Uh, they're 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 at least in the hunt uh, because he's not gonna he's not gonna give up four runs in the first inning, or he's not gonna give up three home runs. Uh, and and there's a chance for them to move to move on. For everything that we talked about with the with starting pitching, now you know Kyle Kyle Gibson at least been serviceable. Uh, Mike Miner uh, had been you know he, he's been he's had a, a terrible season this year. You know, we're, we're not really sure, uh, you know, he lost the feel for his changeup, which is his best pitch, and uh, whether that's something that he could work his way out of or not, I don't know. As you pointed out, yeah, they, maybe the, the Rangers should trade him as well. You're not going to get anything for him. To me, I'd just hold on to him just because you've got you to fill out the rotation with somebody for the rest of the season just to 
keep them in completely embarrassing yourself. Uh, I, I'd embarrass myself at this point, honestly. I, I if, 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 if the rest of the season ends up becoming a, a glorified tank job um, and this team, look, this team ends up winning 20. I would not put it past this team losing, uh, losing 40 games at this point. Um, but if it becomes a glorified tank job and you get a, a much better draft pick next year out of it, you, you've got to start somewhere. Um, and, uh, there's two really good Vanderbilt pitchers who are going to be available next year. Um, and that would be about the most exciting thing that could happen. The Rangers, the Rangers have the second best ERA among starters in major league baseball and their overall rotation ERA ranks 26. It's, it's, it's not been good at all past, past Lynn and I guess one inning of Corey Kluber, um, it's just not been good. The defense has been has been atrocious, um, and there's there are no threats. I, I, the other night, they they come home with an eight game losing streak to face Oakland, and they gave Joey Gallo the day off. And Chris Woodward acknowledged yesterday that it was basically a mental day off. You had to give your best hitter a mental day off in the middle of an eight game losing streak. It's just it's it, that that doesn't speak well about the guy who's supposedly the franchise player. And I want to talk about that because that's something that Todd Frazier brought up the other day. And I hadn't really thought about it until I read his quotes about when he walked home, walked back from the ballpark to the hotel with uh, Joey. And he was, he said, he was telling Joey, listen, you above all else, you just got to have fun. Okay. You, you know, and I thought, it, it just it really hadn't occurred to me before, uh, but that really put that in a light for me to be able to see the fact that 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 Joey just he agonizes over all this too much, and and he he does I don't think he does enjoy it. I, I think he he feels like I have when when he missed the grand slam, uh, you know the, the and, uh, I can't remember which game that was, but I guess the Padres. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and, uh, and, and the look on his face afterwards and the way and and. It's like, yeah, of course you're disappointed at that point. You know, you hit the grand slam, you, you're probably – you might win the game. Of course, after that, the Padres had a, a grand slam of their own. Uh, but you, you could just see, oh, this guy's just – he is wound way too tight, way too tight. And they have to find a way to get him to relax. And, and that's – and I think Joey has also done this club a disservice by complaining about the size of the ballpark and uh, because if Joey's saying that, what are the other guys going to think? This is the guy who hits moonshots. What are the other guys supposed to think? Boy, if Joey thinks it's too big, it's got to be way too big, right? So uh, that's not leadership. You know, that's, that's not what you need to have from your best player. Uh, and, and, and I think that's – I really appreciate the fact that Todd Frazier has at least – maybe he's tried to make that clear to him, and maybe he's tried to lighten up everything. I had no idea what kind of guy Frazier was in the clubhouse before he came here. So it's, it's interesting to me that it, it looks like he's tried to be the guy to say, come on, let's have a good time. Let's have fun. And, 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 and you would think a team full of young guys, you wouldn't have to tell them that, right? That, that's just their nature to have fun when you're a young player. And instead, this seems to be a, a team, a roster full of guys who, A, aren't real good, first of all, and, B, not having any fun either. And that's a really bad combination. 
So I, I, yeah, when, when, when John said, I haven't done a very good job putting this together. So that's a, that's a understatement uh, because you, you let, let's look at, at what's happened on this team. What, the guys that they are really counting on besides Joey, who is an all around talent. Joey's got a lot of talent. He should be a great player. I don't know if he's ever going to be as good as he should be, but he's going to be a really good player. You know, he'll be serviceable, certainly for somebody, uh, more than serviceable for somebody. But you got a guy like Nick Solak. Who, okay, he can hit a little bit, but he doesn't really have a position. I've seen him play second base. He's he's not a really good second baseman either. You got you got a guy like Willie Calhoun, who 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 got, God bless him. I gave him a little bit of rope here because of what happened. Uh, get hit in the face. All right. Uh, but I was convinced that at least Willie was going to hit. Right. Well, he's not doing that either, and, and we know he can't field. I mean, you watch you watch Willie and Solak in the outfield. You watch Chu in the outfield. It's just an adventure out there on any fly balls, uh, or just about anything that happens. So now they're going to go to Leody Tavares, who's never played above A ball. and uh, He's the more experienced of the prospects. He played 65 games at AA last year. Oh, that's right. Okay. So, yeah. So, and, and, and it's, the same, it's the same thing. You know, it, it's just like the same thing is with Jose Guzman, who who they just they just hold on and hold on and hold on to him. And what did he ever hit in the minors? Never. He never hit in the minors. If he didn't hit in the minors, what makes you think he's going to hit at the big league level? And it's the same thing with Tavares. He's not really hit. He's at two sixty in the minors. You know, if he's not going to hit there, you're going to bring this kid up that you that you really love and you want to see what he can do. Now, now look. But I will say that I will say this on Tavares. Uh, he has been young at every level he's played at. Um, yes. Push him along a little bit. And you look at the body, um, it's, you know, Guzman's so tall, um, and he's he, he's very flexible. But I, I look at Tavares, and I see a much more athletic player. Um, and, and so I, I think that there's – I think what you're saying on Guzman versus Tavares, yeah, there's some similarities there, but I think that the idea that, that Tavares is so much younger um, and is more athletic, I think, um, gives him the ability to uh, to be a big leaguer. Yeah. So let's get down to the bottom line for this for me now. And, and of course, you know, this is what all every fan is going to say anyway, is that um, – Obviously, they're going to—they're going through another rebuild. We thought they were—they started a rebuild in 2017. They went full in on 2018, and here we are, two years later, and there's no fruition of any of that. Nothing—nothing nothing looks any different from what it did back then. Uh, no one has been a, a, a more patient with John Daniels than me. The guy who took the team to back-to-back World Series. He's the greatest GM in the history of the franchise. He will always be that until somebody else matches that record. But over the last three years, uh, things not only have things not gone well, the draft has been terrible. And the draft has pretty much been close to, to – it's mediocre at best throughout his tenure as the, the GM of the Rangers. And now that has really just come back to bite him in the butt. There's just – there's nothing there. There's nothing coming up. Uh, they, they, they have no uh, – the, the backbone of the team has always been international free agent signings pretty much as long as I can remember, probably going back into the 80s. Uh, uh, and that has finally worn out. 
you you have seen got the the disappointment of guys like Elvis Andrus and uh, and Ruggie Odor. I, I just I have you know from on Andrus's part. Uh, and I had this discussion with my sons the other day because they, they both love Elvis. I said, listen, everybody loves Elvis. He's a great guy. He's, a, he's one of the nicest ball players you ever be around, upbeat, positive. He's terrific. Uh, and he's had two good years in the majors, two. You know, the rest of them have been very average to below average. Uh, that's not enough, you know. And yet he was, he's supposed to be the guy that the team's built around. You watch these commercials that the Raiders put out, and they're and they're talking about Elvis, and they and and it's like, if this is this really the guy that you were that you were building everything around? Is Elvis at this point? Uh, uh, that's that's just not going to cut it. And and you know you watch other teams, and you watch uh, you you see the young players, you see the young stars, you see the potential, uh, and uh, and there's just none of that with the Rangers. There's just none. There's Joey, and that's it. Everybody else is just a a marginal. Uh, or just a, a at best uh, uh, an average big leaguer. That that's the that's the ceiling for most of those guys. So so here, here's the problem for me. Do 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 I trust John Daniels at this point now to, to rebuild this? Uh, no, I don't think I do. I, I think it's I think at this point it's time to move on. And and I you know. Uh, I'm not happy to say that kind of thing. I don't ever like to talk about somebody getting fired. Uh, I, I know that that you know I'm supposed to be I'm supposed to want to do that as a columnist. I don't like doing that. I don't take any joy in it. Uh, but I think it's time to move on. I think it's time to move on to somebody who uh, has a, a different plan. Uh, I don't know, and I can't explain what happened. I don't know if it was a brain drain uh, from from uh, some of his underlings leaving, going to San Diego and Minneapolis, uh, but. Uh, I just I just think that uh, it's uh, it's been very difficult to justify keeping a guy who has not only tried to rebuild it didn't happen and and that even if he, we do what you say and go with young guys it's like go with young guys to do what what do you expect them to do there's there's not a future with any of these with most of these guys. Um, yeah, I'm not going to advocate for, for the firing anybody. I think that's, that's a little bit out of my, my purview in my role. Um, uh, but certainly, uh, listen, there's, there's been some criticism of this, uh, of this front office, um, over the last few years, some of it unmerited the whole JD versus Nolan thing is, is such a fired argument. Um, some of it merited. Um, this team has not drafted and developed well um, outside of outside of Gallo. I do think that, hey, if they do produce major league regulars in Trevino and Kiner Falefa um, and a major league uh, elite reliever in Hernandez, it's been that's been a positive from the year. But if I look at this team as a contender or what they need to do to contend in 2021, I look at a team that needs a first baseman, that needs a second baseman, that probably needs an upgraded shortstop. Um, and if you keep Kiner Falefa at third, you're probably a little bit short power-wise at third. If you move Kiner Falefa to short, then maybe that satisfies shortstop, but then you need a third baseman. 
Um, you've got you've got hitters in left field, but I don't know how how much of an asset either one of them would be defensively. You don't have a center fielder, and if you trade Gallo, you don't have a right fielder. Um, you might have a catcher, and yeah, you know, and you have. You, you, I guess the strong point is with with Solak and Calhoun, you're certainly plenty deep at DH. Yeah, uh, a lot of DHs. You know, and if you trade Lynn, you don't have your top starter coming into next season is Kyle Gibson, backed by Jordan Lyles, and none of the young kids, save for right now, this team is hanging on a perfect relief inning by Kyle Cody. None of the young kids who are who are potential starters have really taken any step forward. Joe Palumbo is, a, you know, and, and I'm not sitting here and, and going to cast um, any any aspersions, but he now has um, had a, a bad flare-up with, with ulcerative colitis. And this is a guy who's had some issues health-wise in a very young career. Colby Allard has had two really bad back-to-back -back starts. I'm giving him the rest of this year to look at it, but it, there's just – I've just gone through the whole roster, Kevin, and there's not a whole lot of, of strengths there. No, there's not. And, you know, they did a great job. Listen, and, and, and you pointed this out uh, several times, and it's true. They did a great job of finding Mike Miner, right? You know, people want to sign him as a reliever, not as a starter. The Rangers gave him a shot, and he was terrific last year. Uh, you know, and, uh, and he struggled this year. I, I, would, I wouldn't give up on Mike Miner from that standpoint. And I, I'm sure that they, the way he's pitched now, he'd, he'd re-sign and probably cost you a lot less money. Uh, they did a great job with Lance Lynn. Not only did they did they get him, but they they tinkered with him. They got him to say, hey, listen, you need to try to do this. And and it resulted in him pitching better than he's ever pitched his entire career. And it looks real. I mean, when he does it, he looks like he knows what he's doing. Uh, so uh, so I give him credit for those kind of things. I'm not saying that they couldn't make those kinds of moves. but those, unless you're willing to spend an awful lot of money, which we, we don't have any indication that the, that the Rangers are, are, want to do that. They, they appear to just want to make money. You know, they just want, appear to want to, to get a ballpark out of Arlington and make a lot of money and then just see what happens after that. Uh, so unless you want to spend a lot of money on free agency, there's not enough that you'd have to, you'd have to replace, as you said, about half the team at least. Uh, through free agency to be competitive next year, uh, and and these guys have have not done that. You know, I, I I you know I made the case. You know, obviously early on, you made me write the column uh, saying that they should uh, uh, trade for Nolan Arenado. I didn't want to do that. Uh, you you said you would throw me out of the press box if I didn't do it. Uh, so uh, I think I said that, but um, I, I will say this to the point of. Uh, this offseason, this team's got about $67 million coming off the books at the end of this season. Um, and that also includes the, the last $9 million payment to, to Sinchi Chu. Um, and when I actually got an interview with ownership last week and I asked Neil Liebman about next year, he said the team wouldn't tank. But at the same point, his quote about where this club would be was, we will field a good team. We have to have some young guys coming up, but we are not making cuts to the team just because it would save us a few dollars. That's not the way we think. That is not reassuring to me if I'm if I'm asking if I'm expecting this team to go out and and um, 
uh, bolster itself with free agent signings. Well, see, here's the problem for the for, for ownership is that you're you open up this new ballpark. You want to have a splash, right? You don't want to open it up with a team that's tanking. I mean, that's that's just counterproductive, right? You're 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 costing yourself an awful a lot of money here, and it, it it could take years to recover from that. You know, I I know that there are a lot of fans who love the idea of tanking. I I've never been a big fan of it. I think there there are ways to avoid it. Uh, uh, at this point, uh, you know, I, I don't see one for the Rangers. Uh, I, I don't. I, I I'm not going to suggest that this team intentionally tank. I just think that this team's ability to compete next year. Um, <laughs> It's a long, long road for this team to to compete next year. This well, is- absolutely. If you, if you don't spend some money, if you don't spend some money and go out and sign people, yeah, you're you're not going to be competitive next year. This no- is a, it's a long road for this team to be to be competitive. It's a long shot for this team to be competitive next year. So that's so that's the issue for me. There are some there are some guys that are interesting players. You know, uh, you got certain apostle. You've got you know. Uh, um, Josh Young, you, you've got uh, you've got some guys who you know if if, if Tavares comes along, um, yes, there's some potential out there, but they're a long way from these guys of thinking that these guys are going to be active everyday major league players who are going to be productive, you know, because even if one of those guys were to come up and play next year, do, would you really expect them to be an everyday really good player? Well, I don't. I mean, they're going to struggle. They're, they're, they're going to really struggle. Tavares is really going to struggle. You know, even when Anderson Tejeda came up and he had that great first game, did he, did everybody swinging at the first pitch? They right. could have thrown one over his head. I think he would have swung at it. You know, it's, it's like he was determined to do that. It's like, I would have told him, I don't care what they throw you, Anderson. Don't swing at the first pitch this time. You know, it, 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 remember, it was, it was as bad as watching Josh Hamilton at his worst, you know, flailing away at, at the, at the first pitch. And then the same thing with Josh. You know, don't swing at it. Don't swing at it for the, the next six at bats. And then maybe they'll finally throw you one after that. Uh, so anyway, I mean, that, that's, the, that's the issue for me is that even the guys that they like, uh, they, have, they still have such serious flaws. So um, I, I just uh, – my issue is that I'm 64 years old, Evan. If this team – Kevin, this, you have a lot more issues beyond that. Yeah, I know. It, my my problem is that this could take years to rectify. This could take three or four or five years uh, before they're really competitive again, uh, based on a where the farm system is, as you pointed out today, ranked twenty fourth by uh, is it Baseball America that you said ranked them twenty fourth at this point, uh, based on the fact that we haven't seen anything from these owners to show that yeah we're going to spend some money. Uh, and, and based on the fact that uh, if John Daniels remains as the general manager, uh, the track record in the draft just hasn't been good. Uh, now, may, maybe these last couple of drafts are, 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 will be difference makers. We'll see. Uh, but they, the, 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 the MO was always drafting guys with a lot of upside uh, and maybe not a lot of production, you know, real toolsy kind of players, as we like to call them. And yeah, but I'll just I'll just say this. Maybe we and you know we we because of Jose's schedule, um, we didn't record this podcast on Tuesday morning. We reported it obviously today, Wednesday morning. Yes. Um, and maybe my perspective would have been a little bit different if we'd have recorded it Tuesday. But last night, and I, I you know, it's 
it's funny to listen to what pe people interpret what we do these days, but as a beat guy slash insider, I'm kind of in this in-between world of I do more than just write game stories, but I don't quite write opinion columns. Um, and after last night's game, no matter how mediocre my writing is and how bad it is on a regular basis, last night when I wrote about, hey, looking at young guys and that's what they need to do, I'm not so sure. This is like the first time that I'm not so sure I believed exactly what I wrote. I, I came away thinking I'm not so sure that there that there is a ton of immediate help uh, to, to be had and that if you turn this over to young guys, that there's at least somebody truly exciting to to kind of hinge this on. I just don't think they're there right yet, um, which indicates a, a long longer rebuild. Yes, it does. You know that's what you know, and, the, and I think you pointed out, talked about as you, well as you talked about earlier in this podcast about the competition for Odor at second base. I, I don't consider, like as I said, uh, I, I see what what uh, Chris Woodward is is doing when he plays Odor because as bad as Odor has been, there is always the potential for that lightning with him. You know, there he he is he does have that kind of talent. He does have the kind of ability to be a game changer. He has been a thirty home run second baseman. He has been a guy who was on the on the border of being one of the best six second basemen in baseball, you know, and, and, and that it's all gone away. Yes, it's all gone away. And I, and I think probably it's just about time to give up on him. But the thing is, who do you, you going to put in there that's even close to that? There's nobody. And, and as Woodward has pointed out, Ruggie was a linchpin here. This was a guy that you, you got to give Gallo somebody else to back him up here, to put bat in front of him or to bat behind him. You have to have somebody do, to do that. And I, I think that they, there was – I think there was real hope and, and 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 with good reason, there was real hope that Willie Calhoun would be that guy this year. Um, the Urias uh, pitch that, that fractured his jaw, again, like the pandemic, nobody could see that coming. And nobody could see the um, the issues that Willie's dealt with. He's been real – forthright and honest that he's had some anxiety about stepping in there against left-handers. Um, and then just as he was starting to get back, you know, basically tore his hamstring. Uh, so it's been a lost year for Willie. Um, on Odor, I just feel like this is his seventh year. And you've, you committed – a, a significant investment to him expecting that in his mid and later twenties, this would be an elite player. And he's in his, he's moving into his later twenties and he is, I, I, I don't know how to say this other than bluntly, he's one of the five worst players in the major leagues. Um, the only thing that keeps him from being the worst is that he actually plays a position. All the other guys are bad DHs at this point. So it's just not – and I think the other thing that's that's very eye-opening is you look at look at the Rangers playing oppo recent opponents. You look at San Diego and what they've got at shortstop. 
you look at Oakland and what they've got at shortstop. Look at Houston coming up and what they've got at shortstop. Shortstop has become a young man's game, and it's become a, a game of phenomenal five tool players. And Elvis's game was always built on speed and defense. It was never built on him being an authoritative hitter. And the, 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 the difference just becomes that much more glaring. And as you get into your 30s, what do you lose? You lose some range, and you're going to start to lose some speed. He's a good base runner, but you got to get on base to be able to steal bases. And I just, you know, I, they're, Elvis has had a, a decade here, a decade plus. I really think that they've got to consider what the future is shortstop-wise. And if they do that, they're looking at between Andrus and Odor, I think there's about $54 million left in the two of them over the, over the coming two years. Well, that, that, that's the problem for me. And, and you know, I've, I've seen people say, well, what if you moved Elvis to third or what if you moved Elvis to second? Well, his, his offensive numbers are bad for either position. You know, it, that's, that's, not a, that's not a remedy. It has nothing to do with where he – he plays shortstop at an average level. He's, he's still a defensively average shortstop. There's nothing wrong with what he gives you at shortstop. He's just so far below what shortstops give you offensively now that – I, you're you're definitely a a rung below everybody else. Yeah. Basically, Evan, the deal is that the Rangers' cupboard is bare, um, and uh, and it doesn't look promising for the immediate future either. Um, you know, this team. We're my sons and I were discussing this the other day. We were talking about. Uh, and they brought up uh, when we couldn't remember Ryan Rua's name. It's just a, a classic example of guys. That I think Scott Heineman's another one. They're just the Rangers have been grasping for straws, hoping that we get this guy, and maybe we'll get something out of him. Maybe we maybe we can find something out of him. And then he, if he gets hurt, then there's the big feeling like, oh well, if he just hadn't gotten hurt. It's like, well, I'm not sure how much was really there in the first place. And, and that's the issue for me with a lot of these players. Listen, I, Rua and Heineman were guys who have gotten whatever look they got in their mid-20s. Uh, this team failed. This team, this this era, if you want to say, has failed because Jurics and Profar did not develop into anything because Odor has slid backwards. Um, no more Mazzara. No more Mazzara, you know, who came up as a 20-year-old never developed into the authoritative hitter that this team thought he would. Um, Didn't get the White Sox either. It, it's just like uh, all the guys that they expected, with the exception of Joey, who is still something of a, an outlier and a freak statistically, none of those guys developed. No. No, it's all, all pretty much an indictment of the organization. Um, so – that's that's a real upbeat podcast. Um, what yeah, we should have we should have recorded it after the three two win over Oakland. I, <laughs> I, I came home last night and um, just to drive home from the ballpark. It, it, this is how bad it was. I um, uh, when I cover, I still occasionally when I have had a rough day. Um, 
I decide I'm going to inflict more pain on myself and stop for a Whataburger on the way home. And uh, I drove through the Whataburger drive-thru and uh, picked up a nice uh, junior sweet and spicy bacon burger. And now I'm paying double the price. So, <laughs> Well, good for you. I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that you're enjoying yourself on the way home anyway. Oh, well, haven't you watching any of the games on TV? The Rangers games? Yeah. Of course I am. Yeah, I didn't how, watch it last um, night. How sick are you of the um, Frontier commercial that, feature, that features Surfing USA? And how sick of you of the Whataburger commercial for the um, Chipotle Pico de Gallo burger? Are you? I'm sick of all all the commercials during Rangers games, especially the Rangers commercials. I'm uh, I'm I'm sick of everything. I'm telling you, Kevin, when they're on Southwest Plus. Those are the only two commercials that run for the first seven or eight innings of the game. <laughs> it, it is it is stunning to me. I don't know if Fox didn't I don't know if Fox didn't sell inventory for this time of year or what, but literally those are the only two ads. Gina has watched some of the games at home with me when I've been home, and she is uh, she's ready to commit violence when that. Frontier commercial comes on. <laughs> so, you know, make sure she didn't have anything sharp in her hand uh, during commercials. All right, uh, nobody would blame her if the violence was committed against me anyway. Yeah, that's true. That's what I say. All right, that's going to do it for our podcast for today. We didn't have David Moore with us because of the Cowboys, something lame about them. Uh, we didn't even talk about the Cowboys, uh, and uh, they're still talking about Earl Thomas and whether they want to sign him or not. You know, no one has been more in favor of them going after Earl Thomas than me. I wrote a, a, a personal record, eight columns, saying they should sign Earl Thomas. Um, and I have to tell you, I don't, I don't know that I'm for it anymore. Uh, Earl's had some alarming, uh, issues here in the last, uh, year and a half. And, uh, I'm not sure I'd be in favor of it anymore. If it was a really low risk deal, maybe it may be so. Uh, but, I, I really admire the way the Ravens handled all that. They could have easily have just, uh, kept him for this year, which who knows what's going to happen this season anyway, because of the pandemic. And then they wouldn't have, uh, it wouldn't have cost them nearly as much money against their cap uh, this year. Uh, and they, they they just decided, no, this is this guy's not good for us. Uh, and they backed up Chuck Clark, who was the team leader, the other safety who, uh, who Earl got in the little fracas with. So, anyway, uh, David was not around to discuss all that. Story, Kevin? Yeah, go, go ahead. So, um, you know, the other night, and they all run together at this point in time, uh, the night uh, the – two nights ago, I guess, when Luca um, made his big shot to finish off this amazing performance and, and beat the Clips at the buzzer. Yeah. Overtime in a game the Mavs trailed by 21 in the second quarter. Right. Um, our good friend, Richard Justice, sent me a tweet from Bob Ryan that said, um, I have seen every phenomenal young player in the NBA over the last 60 years, and – Luka Doncic is as exciting and as promising as just about any of them. Right. Uh, maybe it was more forceful than that. And my reply to Richard was, never fear, tomorrow morning, Skip Bayless will find a way to rip Luka Doncic <laughs> on, on whatever the name of that idiot show is. 
and um, I got tweets about eight o'clock the next morning with people who uh, had posted what Skip's quotes were, and it's good to know that Skip is still predictable. Well, you can count on Skip to be a contrarian. If everybody's going one way, Skip goes the other, uh, and that and that's what he does. Uh, and he's and listen, I'm gonna tell you something. He's made a lot of money doing that. Yep. Yep. Unlike me and you. Uh, but we still have our soul. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess you could say that. I'm, I'm happy to say that. All right, Evan, that's going to be it for me. Uh, we'll check you next week. Maybe David will be back with us, and that'd be a lot of fun. We could talk some more football. See ya. Bye bye.